Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Man, let me tell you, um, we just wrapped up a series. Pastor Mike wrapped it up for us, uh, a series talking about our story and my story and all those things that we went through in our story series. And I know that God did some great things in the hearts and lives of people. Um, just real quick, I just wanted to share this one particular story with you that uh, meant a lot to me. Um, a guy that I'm, I'm friends with, uh, he, uh, he, he told me afterwards, and I know what's going on in his life, and I know where he's at and what he's dealing with. He told me after uh, one of those services, he said, man, he said, God is so real to me right now. And he said, he's just, he, he's more real than he's ever been. And I feel like something shifted and something is, has turned in my life. And he hasn't looked back. I mean, this guy's just, just going for God and doing awesome. And all these things in his past, he's learning to leave behind. He's learning to forgive. He's learning that God has more for him and that it's not over for him. And he was just real heavy and real down. And I just see it, just a change in this guy. Every time I see him, I'm like, man, wow. God really has done something awesome. And that's the power of the Word of God when you and I will take what God says seriously and we will actually apply it in our lives. It'll cause transformation and change. The Word of God is so powerful. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between our soul and our spirit. It divides between the way we feel about things and what God says about things. Aren't you glad for that? Man, because sometimes the, how I think and how I feel about things is not the same way God thinks and feels about it. And so I think I need to line up with what He says and what He wants to do and let my mind and my emotions and my desires and my will get in check with what He wants, not what I want. And then I begin to find that I'm, I, I, I can understand how to make it through those hard times and I can learn to walk in victory and I can learn that there is hope beyond anything that may be dark or intimidating or that may try to knock me down or knock me out, that God is the one that brings hope. And He's the only one. Amen? Amen. And that's not at all what I'm going to preach, but there you go. <laughs> we're starting this new series, and we're calling it That's Not Normal. And uh, we want to talk about what, it, what exactly that means. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this title. I want you to write down Investing in Change. And uh, if, if you're unaware, you can also follow along on your phone or your iPad or whatever you might have that has that uh, Uversion Bible app on it. You can click on that and you can go to live. You just scroll down and look for live and go click on live event. Search for a live event in your area and you'll actually be able to follow along with, um, with my notes. How many of you guys do that? I'm just curious to see. Wow, that is awesome, you guys. You guys like it? Yes. You, you do? Good. We'll keep doing it then. <laughs> That's very cool. One of the cool features about it is that you can actually put your own notes in there along with mine, and, and you can go right to the scriptures and things. So very cool. Glad you guys are using that, and I appreciate uh, Gary Houck putting that together for us and making sure we have that available. Um, so just write that title down, Investing in Change, and, and as you do, let's just um, bow our heads just for a moment. God, we thank you so much for what you've done so far in this great day, God, we count it an honor and a privilege to get to dedicate these children to you, these babies to you, and now we're going to talk about what it means to invest in lives. And so, Father, I thank you just for setting this day up the way that you have, God. It's just only by your strategic plan and, and that you would have these parents here this day and to hear this word, as well as all of us that are here gathered in your house. And I pray, Father, I'll be able to speak your word with clarity and with authority, just as you've given it to me, Father. And I pray, Lord, that as I speak it with conviction, Lord, that your, your people, God, our hearts would just be prepared to receive the seed that is your word. And as the seed gets planted in our hearts today, I pray that it will just germinate and grow and it will begin to cause change and produce fruit in our lives and in those people that we have influence and contact with in their lives as well because of what you're going to do in our hearts and our minds through the power of understanding and applying your word. And we thank you for life change in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, we're investing in change and that's what we're talking about this morning is investing in change. And you know, there was a time in the nation of Israel where, you know, after, after Moses had already passed away, Joshua had taken over leadership. These guys had been led out of Egyptian slavery. They were slaves of the Egyptians for 400 years. And now the children of Israel, the children of God, are now been released from that captivity. They crossed the Red Sea. Moses gave the Ten Commandments. All these wonderful things that they saw. They saw God do things with Joshua. They saw how they marched around the city of Jericho. The walls fell. They saw how they crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground, just like they did the Red Sea. They saw manna fall from heaven. They saw God deliver city after city in their hands. 
after, in, in some odds that were just completely stacked against them, they still saw the victory because God gave them strategies. God did amazing things. And guess what? God doing all these amazing things was normal in their lives. If you would ask them, can God deliver us out of this situation? Most of them would have said, sure, because we've seen him do it before. It's pretty amazing. I mean, when you wake up in the morning and bread fell from the sky and you got your breakfast right there, it's pretty easy to trust God during that time. Not, not real difficult to go, hmm, I wonder if God loves me or cares about me. Well, there's bread on the ground. Makes sense. And then, you know, I see God gave us the Ten Commandments. I see God, you know, uh, fed us with, with birds in the evening. Fed us. He, he just always took care of us. We saw miracles. We saw the Red Sea part. We walked on the dry ground. We saw the city of Jericho fall when we did something as, as silly as march around it, you know. And, and it didn't make sense at the time, but God knew. And God took care of us. So God doing miracles during this time in the nation of Israel, during the leadership of Moses and Joshua, it was normal for God to do all these amazing things. And the stories were shared and the, they worshiped God. Being good moral people that followed the law, that was normal. That was expected because they were people that served God. They feared God. They trusted God. It was just normal in their society. But then something shifted from what was normal. Something happened and something shifted. And I want us to look at that together in the Bible, in the book of Judges, in the second chapter. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and go over to Judges chapter 2. And we're going to read in verse 7. Judges 2 and verse 7 says this. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. So that's good. All of the people that you know, were, were a part of all these great miracles, that that was just normal, serving God, being moral people, being people that, that only loved God, that didn't serve false idols or worship false gods or practice idolatry or other wicked things. This was normal. We loved God. We were surrounded by people who loved God. And Joshua, even after he died, it said that we still were serving God beyond the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. We had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did in Israel. So we were talking about how good God was, talking about how he could be trusted, how he's faithful. And all these stories were being shared about God. And then check this out. Verse 8. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. They buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Harry's in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill in Gaish. And also all of that generation, all those people that were serving God, all those people that had seen these miracles, all these people that heard the stories, all of that generation were, was gathered unto their fathers. And then there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done in Israel. That blows my mind, folks. That blows my mind to think that after all of this had happened, there rose a generation that did not know the Lord. Now, they knew who God was, and they heard stories about God. This phrasing here of they did not know the Lord meant that they were basically rejecting God. That they did not know him. They did not uh, want anything to do with him. And so what they did was they started doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And you can read about how they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of Egypt. You can continue reading there and see all of the wickedness that these people did. Now, let's think about this. I mean, here was these people that saw God doing great things. And all of a sudden, all of the things that were once considered normal were now considered abnormal. All of the things that were once normal, serving God, being faithful... Loving God, worshiping Him only, seeing Him do great miracles. All these things were just normal in their lifetime. So it was not a question if I was going to serve God. But then there arose a generation after these guys, after they had all died and been gathered to their fathers, there arose a generation that did not know the Lord or the great works that He had done in Israel. They weren't acknowledging Him. They weren't acknowledging what He did. They didn't know Him. How could that be? How could that happen that a generation would arise out of the same group of people who had just a generation prior experienced the goodness of God? You see, what happened was what the definition of normal was shifted, turned upside down. And so it became anything but normal. It became different. It shifted now. Now, if you served God, you were abnormal instead of that was the normal thing to do. Instead of it being just, this is what everybody does because we've seen the faithfulness of God, we trust Him alone, now you are the oddball 
for trusting God. Now, all of a sudden, the new normal was not serving God, but serving false gods, worshiping idols, living for self-gratification, being angry, being confused, lost, disillusioned. What happened? What happened during this time span of all these great things that God did? And I want you to recognize something, that this story that we just read and that we just went through is exactly where we're at in our walks with God today because followers of Christ are not normal. Look at somebody and say, you're not normal. You should be able to say that. with You know what? I ask you guys to say things all the time, and most of the time I have to do it twice, but you wanted to say that so bad, I didn't even have to ask you to say it twice. You guys wanted to say that one, and you knew it was coming, most of you. Followers of Christ are not normal. You are not normal. You see, everything around us, though, Everything in the world wants to convince us that pain is normal and joy is abnormal. Point in case, you see somebody happy, you wonder what's wrong with them or what kind of crack are they smoking. (laughs) Whatever they have, I want some and give me two. Right? We'll look at somebody and we think, man, they're weird because they're happy. Because everybody else is sad because all the rest of us are angry because it's still snowing in April. And we walk around mopey and angry and sad and we don't understand why this other person would choose to be happy. Don't you know you have every reason not to be happy? We see somebody who's at peace in the middle of a storm when they should be stressed out, freaking out, out of control. And we go, that's not normal. Well, if that's not normal, then I don't want to be normal. I don't know about you. But if I can have peace in the middle of the storm, if I can have joy where there's supposed to be fear or where there's supposed to be anger or depression, I I would rather just not be normal. But this world is trying to convince us that those are the things that are normal and you just have to accept this is how life is. I guess this is just the, the hand that I have been dealt. I guess this is just what I have to accept as normal. You know, my parents, they were alcoholics, so I guess I'm going to have to struggle with the same thing. Or my parents were, you know, uh, angry all of the time, and so I'm just angry. Or, or I grew up in a home where depression was normal, so I guess I can just expect that there's going to be depression. Or that there's a certain sickness, a line of sickness in my family, and I guess I just have to accept that that's normal for me. And we expect it. And then we wonder, where's God? And we wonder, why isn't all these stories that I've heard, why is it not happening to me? Well, I guess that's just not for me. I guess that's for other people because I guess God just really likes them and he really has something against me. And we think somehow God's abandoned us. Somehow God is against us. The Bible says that if God is for you, who can be against you? God is for you. You've got to get that today. That's one of the things that makes you weird. Is that God is for you. He is on your side. That sets us apart from what everyone else would try to convince us is normal. The fact that God is for us. The fact that God is on our side. And followers of Christ are not normal. Now, that doesn't mean that a life committed to God is absolutely perfect. How many of you guys have figured that one out, right? I mean, it's not that it's, it's absolutely perfect, but it is the only life. Listen to me. It's the only life that offers hope beyond that suffering and pain. Nothing else can offer hope beyond darkness, hope beyond fear, hope beyond a situation that looks like there is no way out. We just cross our fingers and hope we get lucky if we don't have God. But if I have God on my side, then I can say, if God's for me, then who can be against me? You see, if God is still the Lord of hope, if he's still the healer, if he is still the one who brings freedom, the one who offers a better life than just chasing endless selfish ambitions then what are we doing to make sure that that message continues so we don't have Judges 2 happen in our lifetime? Where a generation rises up that does not know that God is the one that brings freedom, that God is the one that offers hope. You and I have a responsibility, so I want to ask you this question this morning. Who or what are we investing in? What are we investing in for change? Who are we investing in? What are we investing in for change? How are we investing hope and injecting that message into our culture and into the next generation? What are we doing to prevent that Judges 2 scenario where the generation rose that did not know the Lord nor the things of? What are we doing to prevent that? How are we investing and injecting that into a generation? You see, too often we're only interested in what we can get from God what we can get from church, what we can get from Christianity. And we'll ask questions like, what's in it for me? 
And we go, well, I like this church because I like what's in it for me. Well, what can we give? I like God because what I get from Him. Well, what are you, what can we give? I like being a Christian because of what I get. No, it's not about what I get. You've got to understand something. That a lot of the blessings of God that you and I receive on a personal level, yes, God does love us. Yes, He does want us to be personally blessed. But a lot of those personal benefits are only fringe benefits of the real purpose of why God wants those things in our lives. Because He has a purpose for us. Amen? That's why He wants us blessed. Not just so we can all have golden Kohler toilets in our homes. <laughs> There's a purpose for why He wants you blessed. So your personal benefit is a fringe benefit of the purpose. And we all need to understand that. God wants us healed. Yes, of course He wants us healed and healthy. But our personal benefit of it is a fringe benefit of the purpose because He needs us healthy to do what He's created us to do. Amen. You see, there's a purpose behind the blessing, and you and I need to get that. We need to understand there's a purpose beyond just what I get out of the deal. And it's not about me anyways. It's about Him. You see, God is very kingdom-minded. Jesus is very kingdom-minded. He was so kingdom-minded that in Matthew 6 and 33, he said, Seek it first. Seek first the kingdom, and all these other things are going to be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things are going to be taken care of. So in other words, God's agenda is more important than mine. What benefits God is more important than what benefits me. Now, I do get to benefit from it, but that's not the purpose. God doesn't just want us to be here just so we can enjoy things because even though He does want us to enjoy things, that's not the purpose. There's a purpose behind the blessing. And you and I need to get that. There's a purpose behind why you and I are blessed, why He loves us, why He's taking care of us. He wants us to invest. He wants His good news and His gospel and His love to be spread. And He wants us to do it. That's what you and I are here to do. We're to love God, love people, and what? Serve the world. Amen? Amen. What are we doing to prevent that Judges 2 from happening in our world. What are we doing? Why are we asking, what can I get instead of what can I give? You said, Jesus said in Mark 10 and 45, He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but He came to do what? To serve. Jesus didn't come so the red carpet could be rolled out for Him, so He could be treated like a king, so He could be just toted on people's shoulders and celebrated. No, He knew why He came. He understood His purpose. He understood he was investing. He understood he was sowing. He understood that he was doing something that was going to cause a change in the entire world. And so he understood his purpose and he stayed on point and he knew he was here to give, not just so everybody knew who he was during his lifetime and he was some type of celebrity during his lifetime. That wasn't his goal. He wasn't trying to get in the Jerusalem Walk of Fame. Matter of fact, I think most of the religious leaders in town pretty much hated his guts. They hated him so much they decided to kill him, crucify him. He wasn't popular in that aspect like he is today and like we celebrate him today. But he was investing. You see, he was sowing. He went through something that would bring about a change because he was here to give. He was here to serve. Turn over to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Acts 20 and 35 says, I've showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak and you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus and how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We're more blessed to give than we are to receive. You see, we're not just here to see what we can get. We're not here just to go, okay, what's in it for me? What can I get out of the deal? But we're here to give. What can we invest in that's going to cause the biggest change? What? What? Give instead of receive? That's not normal. That doesn't make any sense at all. That goes against the grain of culture that is out for what I can get out of the deal. You mean we're more blessed to give than to receive? That just doesn't make any sense to me at all. I don't get that. Well, of course you don't get it because it's not normal. It's weird. 
It's weird to give instead of receive, to be more focused on what can I give instead of what can I get because we have been taught that normal is what can I accumulate, what can I get out of the deal because it's all about me. We haven't been brought up in a way where we're just supposed to give and give and give and give. A lot of us in our culture, we want to see what all we can get, what all we can accomplish, how well our name can be known, how well people know us, and how well respected we are. And that becomes our goal and our focus, and it's all about us. But at the end of our lives, it leaves us empty because that's not what we are put here to do. We're put here not to be people who are just all about what I can get. But we need to have the heart of Jesus beating in our chest. It says, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve. I'm here to stand in the gap for someone who's hurting. I'm here to show someone that the love of Jesus is still real. I'm here to make sure that a generation does not arise that doesn't understand that they can put their hope and faith in God. Because not on my watch, I'm not going to let it happen, Jack. Right? I'm going to make sure that when I am here on this earth, that I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I'm investing in something that is going to bring about a change of what someone's normal expectation is. Because there may be someone that understands that maybe pain and suffering is normal. And they've just pretty much accepted that that's how I'm going to have to live my life. But then someone like you or me steps in and begins to show them there's a better way. And we begin to show them, that's not normal. That's not normal. There is a better way. There is hope. You see, we need to be intentional in our investments if we want to produce the greatest return. We need to be intentional in what we do. Very intentional in our investments. If any of you have investments in the stock market, you're very intentional. You just don't go, oh, let's see how this goes. Let's just go, just buy whatever. You're not going to do very well, and you're not going to last very long. And I'll counsel you when you're finished. Losing all of your money just trying to play the stock market like some type of casino. You're not going to come out ahead. You've got to be intentional. You've got to make sure that this is something that is going to bring the greatest return. So what we ask ourselves is we ask ourselves, okay, what can I invest in that is going to produce a greatest return? How can I invest myself? What can I do to invest? Because we have to invest from our heart. Because... Our investments have to be something that God's put in our heart. It's got to be something that He has put on the inside of us. And that's why each one of us are wired differently. That's why each one of us are weird. And we have our own people that we can reach that the person sitting next to you may not be able to reach. That's why it's not all about one person doing everything, but it's about us as the body of Christ. Every one of our parts, our fingers, our hands, our arms, our legs, all of our parts working together to reach people for the purpose of God. That's why one person can't do it all. I don't care how dynamic and awesome that a pastor may be. They can't reach the whole city for Christ. You know what? They can only influence and reach who they can reach. But you can influence and reach who God has you to reach. You can have conversations that I can't have with people. You can do things that I can't do or that Pastor Mike or Pastor Keith or Pastor Stephen or any of us here that are in leadership in the church, we, we can't do because there are things that only you can do that God has called you to do. But you have to be intentional in your investments, be intentional with God, with what God has put in your heart. Just like us as parents. Man, we had those kids up here in just a little bit ago. We were praying for them, dedicating them to God, saying, God, they're yours. And help us to be the type of moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas that we need to be to be able to love them and bring them up in a way that they'll trust in God and that they'll choose to serve God. You see, parents, we need to do things like praying with our kids. Amen? Yeah. We need to pray with them either in the morning or before they go to bed or both. You know, I mean, just, just pray with them. Teach them how to pray. Well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know very many scriptures. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. Just teach them. Teach them how to talk to God. It's, it's how we talk to one another. God wants a very personal, one-on-one -on -one relationship with them. Show them what that looks like. Hey, let's talk to God. Let's, let's kneel down at our bed. Or here, give me your hand, and let's just pray. And say, God, I, I ask you for, for a good night's sleep tonight and, and good dreams, and help us to have a great day at school tomorrow. And we just love you and trust you, and we thank you for giving us Jesus. And we thank you so much for our house and, and for blessing us. And we thank you for our toys and the things that we have that you've been that you bless us with. Thank you that, that mom and dad love each other. Thank you that I'm loved. Thank you that I'm going to have a great day tomorrow. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for the plans you have for me. Something simple, just talking to God. 
And teaching children to be thankful for what God has done. Teaching children to be grateful and thankful. That's our job, to invest that in them. Amen? Amen. You see, we need to lead our children to develop a love for God on their own by our example. I'm going I'm to take a drink of this water, and I'm going to say that again. <laughs> we need to lead our children to develop a love for God on their own by our example. Amen. Now, what I mean when I say that is that, you see, we can't manipulate or control or try to somehow force our children to do what we want them to do. Has anyone figured that one out? <laughs> what can we do? We can offer them boundaries, structure, discipline, but there's going to come a time where all of that investment is going to prove if they're going to have to make decisions on their own based on the structure and the boundaries we set in place for them while they were in our homes. And the more freedom they get, the more decisions they're going to have to make on their own. And I want my kids to choose to serve God because they saw it modeled and they see that it is the way of life. It is the way where there is hope and not just because I said so. I don't want my kids to worship God and serve God just because I said so. I want them to choose because, you see, God is after our heart. And, and I experienced this personally because I'm a church kid. I grew up in church. My parents, we, man, we were there every time the door, doors were open. Maybe you have that story. Maybe you don't. But um, I, I was raised up in, in a home where, man, we were there at prayer meeting on Tuesday night. We were there at church on Wednesday night. We were there on Sunday morning for Sunday school. And then we had Sunday morning worship, and we went to church then. Then we went back Sunday night, and we lived 30, 40 minutes away from the church. And that's the home I grew up in. And there came a point in my life where I knew all the right things to do, and I knew all the right things to say. I knew all the churchisms. I knew all the Christianese that I could speak. I knew how to say it. I knew how to do it. But it wasn't from my heart. I, I was very fake and phony at a point in my life, and I said, you know what? I know all the right things to do and all the right things to say. But I had to come to a place in my life as an adult where I had to choose to serve God for myself and not just because I knew what to do. And that's how we need to lead our children. We need to lead them in a way that we make the gospel attractive to them and that they see that this is a better life than what someone that does not have Christ in their life can choose to live. Yeah, it may look better, but at the end of the day, it's not better. You want to know why? Because I saw modeled in front of me what a life lived for God looks like. I saw how God brought us through hard times. I saw how my parents loved one another. And I saw how God did great things in our home. And I saw how we trusted God and prayed and trusted Him through difficult circumstances. And I saw God bring us out time and time again. And so when I was an adult and I had to make that decision for myself, instead of just doing all the right things I knew to do, I knew I could trust God because I had seen His faithfulness because it was modeled in front of me. Amen. And that was the greatest investment that, that my parents made was modeling their walk and their love for God in front of me and letting me see what a life that is lived before God looks like. And that's being intentional. That's being intentional where our children will choose. Grandma and Grandpa, where they will choose when you have them in your house to serve God because of your example. Amen? I love grandparents. Grandparents are awesome. They give us breaks. Woo! And grandparents, they love what they get out of the deal because they're like, when we're done, we just send them home. And so it's like win-win. Grandparents are a win-win, and I absolutely love win-win scenarios. Grandparents are awesome, and I think they're fantastic. But let me give you a warning, Grandma and Grandpa. Can I do that with love? Listen to me. I, I love Grandma and Grandpa, and I think they're awesome. But if we're going to invest in our grandchildren... And be intentional. I know you love to do one certain thing that mom and daddy cannot do because your pocketbook might be a little deeper than mom and daddy's. You like to spoil the grandkids, and that's awesome. But let me tell you what you need to be careful to not do. Be careful not to violate the authority of their parents. Be very careful to not say, oh, well, you can stay up later. You can watch this show, or you can do this because you're at grandma's house. What you're doing is, instead of being intentional in your investment, is you're teaching them to disrespect authority. You're teaching them that the authority of their parents means nothing when they're with you. So what are they going to do when they have that teacher that they don't like? Well, they can disrespect them because you have modeled disrespect in front of them and you've told them it's okay because you're grandma and grandpa. So be careful. Be intentional in your investment and let them know that, yes, 
We respect mom and dad. I, well, can you watch this show? Well, well, I'm at your house, Grandma and Grandpa. And you tell them, well, no, if mom and dad said it, then this is when we're going to bed. Mom and dad said you can't have that 50-pound bag of sugar. Then no, you cannot have it. I know you guys are sick and twisted, and you think it's funny. Yeah, come on, moms and dads. Come on. <laughs> that was, that mom and dad started that clap right there. Because you guys think it's hilarious because y'all are sick and twisted. Because y'all think that, oh man, I'll get them all jacked up on sugar and Mountain Dew and I'll send them home. <laughs> i tell you what, the altars are open at any point. You want to come and just repent before the Lord. You don't have to wait till the end of this message. You can just come. Jesus wants you to come as you are. And you, you, you folks without kids, or maybe, uh, maybe you're an empty nester, or maybe you, you don't have kids, maybe you're single. Well, how does this apply to me? Well, I, I want you to understand this, that we can be people that are friends to those that are in need. We can be aware, be intentional in our investment. Maybe there's that coworker that you know that's going through some junk, that's struggling. And instead of just going, oh, I feel bad for them because they sure are dealing with a lot, why don't you be a friend to them? Why don't you go try to make sure you coordinate your break with their break if it's at all possible or, or invite them to a lunch or something or invite them to coffee. And you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be a certified counselor. You, you, you don't have to be someone who can just tell them exactly what they need to do. You know what you can be? You can be someone who listens and shows them that you care. Amen. You know, most 99.9% .9 of the time, even me as a pastor, when I counsel people, people just want to be heard. People, that's all they really want. Sometimes people, they, they're, they're clueless and they don't know exactly what to do, but more times than not, they just want to be heard. They just want somebody to, be listen, to, to listen to them. And as your pastor, I'll always listen to you. I'll always let you vent. I'll always let you talk. But I'll tell you the truth. I'll love on you and tell you the truth in love. But let me tell you, if, if you just need someone to listen, we'll listen. Why don't you be that person? Why don't you be that person? Why don't you be that friend to maybe the person that's kind of the outcast at work that nobody likes? Why don't you just try to love on the person that's unlovable? You know, that's kind of what Jesus did. You know who Jesus hung out with? Jesus hung out with people that were prostitutes and thieves, people who were betrayers of their own country. You know, one of the 12 disciples, Matthew, was a tax collector. Do you know why being a tax collector was such a bad job other than the fact that he's a tax collector? It's more than him just being a tax collector because you think, well, that's not fair. He's just doing his job. No, you see, during Jesus' time, the Romans were occupying Jerusalem. And when the tax collectors were uh, people of Jerusalem, when they were Israelites, they were there collecting taxes. They weren't collecting taxes for Israel. They were collecting taxes for the Romans, the ones who were occupying. And so it's almost like you're betraying your own country. It's almost like you're a scab to our union or whatever, you know. It, it, it's almost like, I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe that you would do this. What, what, what's going on? Why would you collect taxes for, for them? And Jesus said, why don't you come be one of my disciples that will write a book of the Bible and that will help change the world? What? That doesn't make any sense at all. Yet yeah, Jesus chose somebody nobody else wanted. Jesus chose a bunch of guys that smelled like fish <laughs> to come help him change the world. You know what else Jesus did? Check this out. Think about this with me. Jesus healed lepers. You know, people that their, their, their parts of their body were rotting off because of leprosy. But he didn't just heal them. No, Jesus touched the leper. Now, if you touched a leper, you were basically condemned to go live with them. Okay? That was a big no-no. They walked around saying, unclean, unclean. And they wanted you to just scatter because of a very contagious disease. But Jesus touched him. Now, could Jesus have said, thousand yards away, whoa, 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 that's close enough there, Fred, <laughs> let me tell you, be healed. <laughs> let me give you a little courtesy healing there, be healed. What, what's that? Be healed. <laughs> no, Jesus got right up in the man's face and touched him. Why? Because that man hadn't felt the touch, he hadn't felt normal in a long time. He had been an outcast for a long time. And what if you reached out to someone who's been an outcast, someone who's been pushed out? Someone who is, is not in the clique. Somebody who's not in the club. What if you reached out to that person and you touched them and let them know somebody cared? I'll tell you what, it'll change lives. It'll be an investment that'll produce an awesome return. Amen? Amen. You see, if we're ever going to change Wisconsin's perception of what normal is, 
If we're ever going to change Sheboygan County and the surrounding areas, perception of what normal is, then we're going to have to begin to be intentional and invest in people because we know that people are worth it. Amen? Amen. Let me show you one more set of scriptures here in Luke chapter 10. Luke 10 and let's see, we'll start reading in verse 30. Jesus is telling a story. A guy confronted him, wanted to know what he should do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus told him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy thought he was going to be sharp and slick. And he looked at Jesus and he said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, let me tell you a story. Verse 30. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, stripped him of his clothes and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and the priest saw him, and he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he saw the place, came down, looked at the guy, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, he saw him, and he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and sent him on his own beast." brought him to an inn, took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave him to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatever you spend more than when I come again, I'll pay you back. Now, out of these three, which one was the neighbor to the guy who fell among thieves? And he said, the one who showed mercy on him, Jesus said, Go and do likewise. He said, Listen, you see, the Samaritan helped a man he had never met he invested in him financially. He invested in his time. He inconvenienced himself by walking instead of riding on his own horse or donkey or whatever he was riding. He put the man on his own beast. He inconvenienced himself. Why? To reach someone he did not know who could not do anything for him. Now, what if that guy had been someone important in town? Oh, look at that. I'm sure the priest would have been the first one to pick him up. Oh, let me see, this guy is an important political figure in town, or this guy is an important, you know, religious figure in town, or this guy has money. Oh, let me see, maybe I could get him to come to the temple and give. Um, so let me rescue him and be his help and savior. This guy was nobody. They didn't recognize this guy. They didn't know who he was, and they were like, ew. They walked by on the other side. They didn't want anything to do with him. Why? Because he couldn't do anything for me. See, a lot of times we're only interested in helping people who can do something for us. And otherwise, when we step outside and we're intentional and we invest in other people, we go, okay, Jack, it's payback time. <laughs> we we kind of do this, okay, you do this for me, I'll do for you type mentality. And it's not right because the heart isn't motivated by love. The heart is motivated still by what I can get out of the deal. Folks, let me tell you, if we're going to invest, if we're going to serve, if we're going to give, if we're going to love God, love people, serve the world, if we're going to be people who have the heartbeat of Christ in our chest, we have to do this stuff with no strings attached. Amen? Amen. In other words, I will love you just because it's what God has compelled me to do and what he's put in my heart because I want to see an investment in this generation. I want to see an investment in this world to the point that a generation doesn't arise. It does not know God, but a generation will know hope. A generation will know that there is stability, that there is hope, that there is love, that there is trust. You know, you think about these little children that we dedicated this morning. Think about how awesome it is that they're being raised in godly homes with parents and grandparents and people that surround them, that love them. But how many children are being raised in situations where they're going to grow up hating men or hating women because maybe a man or woman hurt them or or said something to them, or put them down, or abandoned them. And they feel very hurt, very wounded. And then they become wounded adults who are very hurt, who are very angry, who are very wounded. And what if? What if there was a church? What if there was a couple? What if there was an individual that said, you know what, I'm willing to be inconvenienced to show that person that that's not normal that that doesn't have to be normal for them because I'm going to show them what love looks like. I'm going to show them what faithfulness looks like. I'm going to model it before them and show them that trust can be something that they can live with, that they don't have to live life not trusting anyone because they were burned at some point in life. What if somebody stepped up and made that type of investment? What would they be doing? They would be showing them that God is still on the throne, that He is real, that He still cares about them where they're at, and that no matter how far they've come, no matter what they've been through, what they've done, it's not over for them. Amen, somebody. Amen. 
And that's exactly what we're called to do. That's what God wants us to do, to invest. The Samaritan helped a guy he never met. He invested him. He, he invested in the guy. Couldn't get anything in return. That's not normal. It's weird. It's not what most people would do. But if that's what most people would do is just walk by on the other side, then I don't want to be normal. Amen? Amen. You see, that kind of love will change hearts. That kind of love is Jesus Christ in action. And when we invest and when we sow and when we love on people, we need to be faithful in investing and not give up. We need to be faithful in investing and not give up because we need to recognize what our job is. 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, there's this guy named Apollos who's also teaching and preaching Jesus. He said, and you know, it's not that I'm better or Apollos is better. He said, matter of fact, we both are working together. He said, I may plant the seed of the word of God in someone's heart by sharing it. Apollos might come along and water that seed. Or maybe Apollos plants the seed and I come by and I get to water that seed. But guess what? Only God can bring the increase. Only God can bring the heart change. Only God can save their soul. Because no matter how great Paul or Apollos is, we can't change hearts. No matter how great you are, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how great of a pastor that you may be, no matter how great of a minister or a speaker or what accolades or titles you have, you can't change hearts. You can't change hearts. Only God can do that. But what can we do? We can plant, we can water, we can sow, we cannot give up. We can stand in the gap for someone who needs us. We can inconvenience ourselves and maybe spend some time in prayer, getting, getting on our knees, praying for someone who needs our prayers, inconveniencing our time, the things we would rather do, the things that we would do for ourselves, because why? We have a heart for people. Because we have the heart of God beating in our chest that we want to stand in the gap. That we will be willing to inconvenience our wallet. We'll be willing to inconvenience our time, our own personal desires and things we would want to do. Why? To reach somebody. So that might mean maybe I inconvenience myself by buying somebody else's lunch when I really wanted to order double. <laughs> when I wanted to, to, to get the big combo meal, I just get something small because I want to invest in someone else. Because my heart for them, to reach them and to be intentional in investing in them, to make sure that a generation does not arise, it does not know the Lord, that it doesn't happen on our watch. Amen? Amen? As long as the doors of word of grace are open and as long as these lights still come on, as long as we still gather here together and we drive our cars to this parking lot and we assemble in this building, let it not be said that a generation rises up that does not know the Lord. Not as long as we're still here. Amen? Let it not be said, not on our watch, not on my watch, not on your watch, because we're going to do what it takes to reach people and to care about people and to make sure we're investing in people to show them the love of God from the smallest of the small to the oldest and the biggest of the big. It doesn't matter. We're going to reach them where they're at and love them and show them that God is real, God is faithful, He's worthy to be trusted, and that He offers hope and healing and restoration no matter where they've been, what hurt they've experienced, where they've come from, that He is still the healer, that He still is the Savior of our our souls, that he still is the love that can come in and heal our hearts and the one that makes all things new. Amen? Amen. So don't get discouraged in your prayers for your family or your friends or your boss or your co-worker. Don't get discouraged and want to give up and say, oh, it's not worth it. I guess things are just going to go however they're going to go. No, somebody needs to stand in the gap. Amen? Because we need to keep investing, keep loving, because it's worth it. Because we recognize no matter how much they may hurt us, disappoint us, people are worth it. Amen? Yes. So, what if this summer, what if you mowed your neighbor's yard and you didn't expect anything in return? You guys were real quiet when I said that. <laughs> you guys, that sounds like work. What if you blessed somebody and you had no strings attached to it at all? What if you weren't even doing it to try to get them in church? What if you were just doing it just to show them that God loves them? What if you just did it? What if you just did something? What, what, if, what if we as a church did something for another church in town and they couldn't do anything in return for us? What if we went down to the Pentecostal church and washed Pastor John's big old four-wheel drive truck? <laughs> I'm just saying, what if we did something crazy like that? His truck's always clean. I'm not putting his truck down. 
me and him are real good friends, but I'm, I'm just saying, what if, what if we did something like that that didn't make any sense, that wasn't normal, just to show somebody the love of God, that just to show them that we're on the same team, that it's not about us, amen? Well, what if we begin to think outside of our own personal benefit and our own personal gain to love people and to show them that God is real? And he's just as real outside of these four walls as he is in these four walls. Amen. That we take the gospel and the love and the message of Jesus Christ and we put legs to it and we show people and we don't just come in here once a week and talk about it. But we go out and show people that it's real and we love on them right where they're at. What if we reached out to offer hope to widows or single mothers? Or single parents, period. Maybe it's a single dad, maybe a single mom. What if we reached out to them and were able to help them and bless them? I, I don't have all the answers, and I don't know exactly what all we would do, but I'm just saying, what if we did that with no strings attached, just to show them that we love them and they're worth investing in? And yeah, you may be struggling right now. You may be having a hard time right now, but we're a church that's going to be there for you. We're a couple. I'm an individual who's going to be here for you to help you to love you to let you know that the love of God is real because I want you to see it through my life. What if we did stuff like that? What if we took time with that coworker that we know is struggling? What if we as a church begin to think, how can we best give and serve this area that God has called us to? How can we give? How can we invest? Now, that's not comfortable. That's not easy. That's <laughs> definitely not normal. Because we want to look at everything and go, what's in it for me? But what if we did it just because the heartbeat of Christ is beating in our chest? It's going to take a church, a family, and a person that is anything but normal to do that kind of thing. Amen? Amen. So we are a weird church <laughs> that's willing to be weird, that's not willing to go with what would be expected to be normal no, we'll go the extra mile. We'll spend that extra hour. We'll spend that extra dollar. We'll, we'll, we'll spend that extra time. We'll inconvenience ourselves to go above and beyond to reach one person and let them know that they matter. We'll move our schedule around. We'll make sure that we make time however we can because we believe that people are worth it. That's the whole thing about loving God, loving people, and serving the world. It's got to be more than just a slogan on a red wall in the foyer of a church. Amen? Amen. It's got to be more than something that's printed on our t-shirts that we wear. It's got to be something that we're about, that we really mean it when we say we love God, love people, and we serve the world. That's not normal. That's just weird. But I don't want to be normal. I think you guys are thinking you've pretty much got that one handled. <laughs> but I don't want to be normal if it means being selfish. If it means being someone who's always struggling, always dealing with depression and anger. And I, I don't, If that's normal, I don't want to play. I, I want to walk in victory. I want to walk in peace. I want to walk in health. I want to live my life giving. Not here to be served, but to serve. So I'm going to challenge you, okay? I'm going to challenge you to two things. This week, first thing is I want you to do something that's not normal, to plant or to water in someone's life without the thought of what they could do for you in return. This week, maybe God's already put that on your heart already, maybe through the course of this message. Or maybe there was already something on your heart that maybe a message like this, God began to just rekindle the fire and begin to stir that up on you. Whatever that may be, just do something that someone, they can't do anything else for you. And be willing to inconvenience yourself, inconvenience yourself to plant or to water. I'm not asking you to go out and, and, and to just uh, see everybody in Sheboygan County saved this week and, and just living for God and loving God. No, that's not what I'm, I'm expecting. I'm asking that if you'll go out to someone who's hurting and just, just love on them. Just let them know you're there for them. Hey, if you need a friend, just holler at me. Here's my phone number. Just reach out to somebody, send them an email. Hey, I was thinking about you today. Since I buy a postcard, let them know, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Just do something just to plant or to water. Because God is, is, is investing through us, through our investments in the hearts of people. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come into everlasting, eternal life with him. Amen. So do something that's not normal. Do something weird this week. Let me know. I want to know. 
let, let me know. Let, let Pastor Mike know. Let Pastor Keith, Pastor Stephen. Uh, Pastor Stephen will be back today. So he's coming back from a, uh, from a wedding that he was at. And, and, and let him know. Just let somebody know. Let our, let our friend know. Just talk to us. We, we want to know what you're doing. We want to support you. If you have questions, we want to help answer those questions. But do something that's not normal to plant or to water in someone else's life. Be sensitive to God speaking to your heart to maybe do something that's out of the ordinary, to maybe buy someone's meal or buy someone's groceries or to pump someone's gas or just to let someone know that God loves them. Just do something out of the ordinary. Just to allow it to not be about what they can do for us, but what we can do for Him. And then here's the other thing I want you to do. This is the other half of this challenge. I want you to email info at wogcc.com. You write that down or you can just remember because it's kind of easy. W-O-G-C-C, Word of Grace Community Church. Those, those initials, wogcc.com, info, I-N-F-O, info. I want you to email or post our Word of Grace Facebook page this week your ideas of how we as a church can serve and redefine what normal is for our area. Because God has called us here. And we want to reach these people here that he's called us to. Amen? Not just me as the pastor, but us as a church. This is something we're doing together. We're a family. We're a unit. We're a part of the body of Christ. And we need to move together. And we need to do this stuff to reach people and let them know they matter. And that there is a God that forgives. There is a God that heals. There is a God that restores. There is a God that's faithful. There is a God that loves them right where they're at. But somebody's got to let them know. Let's let them know. Okay? Let's let them know. So let's do that this week. Let's do this. Let's work together. Let's put our heads together. I want to partner with you. Let me know what God's put on your heart, what your ideas are. I want to hear you. I want to listen to you. We, we as a staff, we want to be able to say, well, maybe this is something we could pray about doing, or maybe this is something that well, we, we could do in this ministry or that ministry, or whatever the case may be. We just want to move forward and, and just, we want to be as weird as we can. We want to be as not normal as we can to reach people. Amen? We want to be as inconvenienced as God wants us to be. To reach people and to love people. Would you bow your heads this morning? Maybe you're here in this place. You're hearing about all this love of Jesus. And you say, man, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I, I, I'm ready for life change today. I'm ready to give my heart to him. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to let me know that that's you. And you're here by lifting your hand up and putting it down. I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ. I see your hand. Thank you, God. I see those hands. You can put your hands back down. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand and put it back down. I'm the only one looking around here. Thank you, Jesus. Well, church, would you help me pray with those that lifted their hands? And those of you that lifted your hands, it's, it's not anything that I can do for you, but it's something that is between you and God right now. And when you say this prayer, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so by saying these words, you're affirming your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did. So church, would you help me by praying this prayer? Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I commit my life to serving you. Forgive me and make me right with you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me whole. Thank you for making all things new. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving for me. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you look back up here for just a moment? If you said that prayer today and you meant it from your heart, let us know. Give me a call, send me an email, or we're going to have people down here.